not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. We're going to Wembley at last. Not outclassed, ones on mass. We're going to win the Hello! Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer at the Bolton News. This is the show that's already got its hotel booked for Wembley Way, had four hours sleep, and with a host that got locked out of his Twitter account before the final whistle. And on the Buff this week, Alpha Papa, Catcher and Morley do the business at Aki. Sheet happened. We discussed the new stadium sponsor and ticket to ride. Why Wanderers have got to get things right for the final. But first, well, I mean, there is no first because this week's podcast is quite literally being recorded on the fly. But I'm going to take one moment just to thank absolutely everybody that's been listening in recently and also those that have remembered to recommend us and, and review us and all that sort of stuff because... Well, I mean, whether it's because Wanderers are going well or because we don't do Danny Shitu every week now, I don't know, but the numbers are going through the roof and uh, long may that continue. Uh, please carry on spreading the word, giving us a review wherever you can, especially a five-star one. Let's face it, that's the best one. Um, and we will keep on bringing you your free weekly Wanderers podcast for the tune that you'll be singing all week. Talking about singing a happy tune, let's bring in my podcast co-host and a man who's been watching the semi-final on repeat for the last 10 hours straight. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm cock-a-hoop, Mark. We're going to Wembley. Kesarasara. Uh Cock-a-hoop, you don't get much of that. I, I, was trying to, I was trying to think of the perfect word and <laughs> cock-a-hoop came to me. Well, well, we'll have a word about strange, uh, strange words that may have cropped up in the Bolton uh, Wanderers uh, vernacular later on. Um, but uh, <laughs> right now, only one word needs to uh, be said, and that's Wembley. Absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, it's been a while, but we're finally going back. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, you know what? I, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, three years ago, we nearly went out of business. But I think I've, I've, what I've seen on social media, a lot of people have actually made the point. And I think it's They're important... <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really important to go, well, yeah, let's take things into consideration. And, you know, the way where we are now compared to back then and what Sharon Britton's done and what the board have done and Ian Everett as well and the team. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's uh, we, we slowly but surely extinguishing the ghosts of, of past. And this is the, the for me. This is one of the last ones. Is to beat beat someone at Wembley. If we can do it five nil, then great. I'd take that. But uh, you know what? I'd take a one nil as well. So yeah, hopefully it can be a really good day out. Yeah, redemption's the word. I mean, I have to say, before the game, we were talking amongst ourselves and saying, if you could write the script right now, we want Elias Kachunga to come on and score the winner because it was all building towards that. It was obviously the. the bereft with injuries, didn't really have any options, no strikers on the bench. Kachunga was going to be out there for 90 minutes regardless. Could he get that goal? And when he scored it, oh my God, it was, scenes were incredible. Yeah, he, he's, he has deserved it. I mean, okay, you know, Elias Kachunga, you know, hasn't been our best player this season, I think it's fair to say, but I think his attitude uh, it's been spot on. Even when he's been walking over to the away fans or they've been booing him, mm. you know, he will still go over, applaud. I saw on the inside match day video on Saturday 
Santos applauded from a distance and Kachunga actually said to him, no, let's go over to the fans. Mm. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's well-liked in the club and, you know, he's he's got an important goal. Wilbraham-esque, hopefully. Hopefully this can be the Wilbraham versus Sheffield Wednesday goal and then his actual <laughs> Forest moment is coming on the 2nd of April. Oh, yes, wouldn't it be something? I, I have to stick up for him a little bit because kind of behind the scenes, you obviously being around the club as much as I am, I do get to see a little bit different side to some of them. And, and Catcher is one of those guys who just knits it all together behind the scenes. He's, he's so important to the, the way that squad works. And as you say, he's, his kind of experience is a bit like a captain without being a captain. And, and it was really good to see. It, it was hard to see... Well, it's, it's been hard to see him struggle on the pitch because ultimately he'd love to be holding him up as some sort of goal-scoring hero. He hasn't been that for Bolton Wanderers. Um, but the way that he has uh, affected things behind the scenes um, has been really important. It's helped bring a very, very young group together. But uh, talking about youngsters shining for the cameras, I mean, Aaron Morley, I I say we stick a GoPro on him all the time so that he always feels like he's on telly and he'd be, he'd be unstoppable. Yeah, if there's, I know Ian Everett said a few weeks ago that he don't actually go to watch matches live when they're uh, scouting players now. I tell you, if there's any Premier League clubs that are doing that and just watching Aaron Morley on Sky, then I think there's a big bid coming in from uh, from someone. <laughs> yes, there was a uh, a member of st- a member of staff who made the comment that uh, there's another 500 grand on his price tag. Uh, <laughs> when uh, when uh... Was that Sharon Britton by any chance? <laughs> I'm saying absolutely zero, but uh, no, I mean, you've you've got to think, I mean, he's, he's obviously a, an asset that's owned by Bolton. I mean, a lot of the younger players are obviously low knees, but Bolton, having signed him for pittance, we think he was around about 50 grand from Rochdale. That has got to be one of the parkings of, of recent times, really. Yeah, it has, and he's, uh, he's come on so much. And if you think about his 12 months with us, you know, he was one of the stars of um, the... Uh, the end of last season. And then at the start of this season, I know the manager kind of said he weren't really doing what he was asking him to do. But, you know, since October time, he has been, uh, he's been undroppable. And I think watching the game yesterday, and because it was difficult because they were penned in that much, Morley was just, he kept on going back to where Santos would be, getting the ball and running with it and trying to make things happen. And, uh, you know, for, for me, you know, I can understand why Bradley got man in the match, but for me, it was Morley. Yeah, I, I think he, he... The only thing I would say is that kind of the first 20 minutes before this sending off, the midfield was pretty much bypassed because mm. it was such a, a basketball game at that point in time. Had it continued like that, I'm not sure, you know, how Morley or Kieran Lee or uh, Josh Sheehan would have got into the game because it was so, so sort of harem scare. I mean, Accrington surely would have ran themselves into a standstill eventually, but... Um, the red card did change things, no question about it. I've seen, I saw it, in, I saw it in real time, and I thought, oh, he's caught him on the knee. I've, I've seen stills of it, and he's clearly caught him on the knee. And yet, still, Accrington maintain uh, that McConville should not have been sent off. What was your view? Yeah, when I, because I watched it on the TV, I, I agree with you. When I first saw it, I, you kind of go, oof, that was a, you know, and then. Um, you know, you see the replay, and and yeah, it's. Uh, I think you know, Aaron McLean in the studio, he said that it. Connor Bradley was lucky that it was the side of his foot. You know, if it was the bottom of his foot, um, then he could have been a leg breaker. And I think, um, yeah, I think 
I think it's just the modern day, you know, and I know John Coleman's kind of, he's been, there's a kind of a uh, sort of a meme going round of him all the time saying he's he's falling out of love with foot, modern football or whatever. But I think, yeah, 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, that is a yellow card or it's, it's just a foul. Whereas now it's not. And I think, um, yeah, for me, I, I, I thought it was a definite, it's definitely red, but I mean, they'd already had a player booked before then. They had one booked. I think that was Accrington's game was to rough up Bolton. Mm. And unfortunately for them, it, it didn't work and it actually put them on the back foot. Yeah, the, I mean, the proximity to the other yellow card as well, because I think, um, I can't remember who got, got uh, booked now, actually. Uh, it might have been Presley, actually, that got that got booked for a, a tug on Bradley. But Bradley had had about four or five fouls by that point in time. Um, mm. And you also have to factor into the, you know, in, in Accrington, it is still 1983. Um, <laughs> so they are playing by different rules. <laughs> oh, they've got they've got a lot of fun to come. They've got a lot of fun to come. Wait until the, the Falklands finishes. Um, yeah, so <laughs> the second big incident of the game, and this, this one I, I have a little bit of sympathy for. It was the James Trafford incident because... Just after half time, big long ball comes over the top. It bounces just over the top. I think it was Mbete's head, uh, but it looked like the defenders could have cleared that up quite easily. But then suddenly, out of nowhere, here comes James Trafford, hurtling from his goal, goes to head the ball, ends up heading the side of a, an Accrington player, Liam Coyle. Both of them get hurt, and obviously Coyle is is, is received some serious damage because he ended up leaving on a on a stretcher now uh, John Coleman thought it it should have been a red card if you're going to give a red card for the first one what was what was your view mm. no yeah I yeah I, I didn't think he I, I thought because he went for the ball I think I, and it's difficult because you only get one angle of it because Sky just mm. you know said they weren't going to show another one um, so I I thought when it when it happened, I thought, "Why has he done that?" I thought there was no need. Toll has got it covered, uh, and yeah, and I think, um, I, you know, I think Trafford was just bored, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when it happened, I thought, I, I did think the longer it went on, I thought he could be off here. But then it, in I never looked at it at all and thought, "Oh, he's, he he genuinely could be." I thought that the ref might even it up. Um, Obviously, it's unlucky for for Kyle that he's he's you know been injured and hopefully he's all right. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a you know that happens in the middle of the pitch all the time. You know, two players go up for a header and he, one of them heads the other guy's head and he's he's down. That that's part of football. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was a sending off. No, I mean I don't I don't think Traff needed to do it. There's no doubt about that. I think the the Accrington point of view is that he had lost. Control. He wasn't in control because he was up in the air, mm. and I can kind, I can semi understand it. I, I can, I can understand their point of view. I, there was no malice in it, no question. You know, he didn't go out to hurt the lad at all. Um, it was just uh, uh, a bit of a rush of blood. You know whether whether you can give a yellow card for that as opposed to to a red. I'm not sure whether or not the 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 yellow card constitutes the fact that he made a play for the ball, perhaps, but. Um, a bit, a bit of a confusing one. Maybe Bolton got a little bit of the rub of the green there. One thing I didn't like to see, and this was something that the cameras may not have picked up, but as the treatment had finished to James Trafford and James Trafford stood up and went over to check on uh, on Liam Coyle, there was a chance of off, 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 off from the uh, the Accrington fans, and Tommy Lee 
broke off from the pack and started G-ing the fans up with his hands, like, come on, come on, more, 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 more of that chant. And I just thought, do you know what? It's just so... It's it's, it's a bad bit of professionalism. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's awful. I mean, I know he's I know he's that type of guy. And, and to be honest with you, he shouldn't have been on the pitch either because he's facing, he's facing a ban for helping somebody against Shrewsbury in the second minute. So why he was on the pitch, I've got God only knows. But there we go. Yeah, I, I think... Um... It's just Accrington, you know. We we saw it in the uh, the game um, at their stadium earlier in the season, and you can't blame them because they are the underdogs. They don't in every single game they play in this league, they are the underdogs. So they are gonna try and um, you know try and get whatever they can. And I think part of that is roughing teams like Bolton up. You know, the the, the time wasting. You could tell early on that they were. There were one or two moments where free kicks had took a while to be taken. They were trying to slow the game down and maybe win it on penalties. So you can't blame them for doing it. But yeah, I mean, it is in bad taste, especially especially when he, the guy's probably going to get banned for an elbow. It's a bit bad taste that he's doing that. But <laughs> exactly. you know, exactly. you can't you can't blame him, I guess. But it didn't work, so who cares? No, no, no. Uh, well, exactly. I don't. I don't care. But I. I, I only. <laughs> I only moan because he did it right in front of me, and I just. I'm just shaking my head, thinking, God, that's awful. That's awful. Um, I mean, as as it went on for, it was a lot like the Wickham game, and I don't really want to talk at length about the Wickham game, particularly because, uh, well, we've got better things to talk about. But it, it. It was. It was very frustrating. First sort of 20, 25 minutes up to half time. I think Bolton were lacking a bit of penetration. I know Dion had that one big chance that was saved by Lucas Jensen. Into the second half, things were better. They were stretching the game out. They were finding a bit more space, certainly in midfield. And as you say, Morley did get hold of things. But in front of goal, you had to wonder whether or not they built some sort of force field because there was a moment where they hit, hit the bar, they hit the post and had one cleared off the line within about 10 seconds. Yeah, oh my god, I thought that and that when that happened I thought first of all I thought Dion Charles is never gonna score against these. I've <laughs> I've settled that now. Never gonna score. But yeah, you did think that when you got to half time and you think, right, second half we're gonna come out, it's gonna be all Bolton and I just thought we'll get a goal about fifty minutes and then it'll it'll be three or four nil. But the longer it went on and I know that we had 10 minutes of stoppage time in our back pocket if we needed it but like the the longer it went on I thought don't go to penalties mm-hmm. I just thought don't go to penalties because this is going to be the ultimate Bolton Wanderers mess up um, and and yeah the, the you know it just seemed that they yeah they had that force field on the goal but um, but no eventually Kachunga broke the force field and we we're in out Wembley it was the fear for me because we we spoke about this a fair bit, you know, with the the lads in the media team at Bolton and such like about if they lost that game, the reaction you can tell from a mile off would have been bad. Obviously, within the ground, it would have been bad. That would have been awful. God knows how that would have worked. Um, Bolton, it was a weird away end because the away end was behind the goal, and then also along one whole length of the pitch. And then you saw pockets of Bolton fans within the home fans as well. It was it was crazy. They had, I would have said, three quarters of the ground at some stage. Um, so the reaction within the ground would have been terrible. But I think it would have magnified what happened at Wickham because it was it was following a very similar narrative. And 
you could you could see it impacting upon Port Vale and upon Portsmouth and difficult games like that. And and then you've got that kind of long wait for another game. It would have been nearly three weeks had they not got a final to look forward to. So it would have been a very difficult spell to negotiate and keep a playoff chase on track, if you ask me. I, I think that result genuinely could have both made and saved Bolton's season, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, I do agree with that. I think it would have. I think what would have happened is out of all the the um, excitement we've had with Bolton, especially in the last few months of uh, well, this season, uh, that coupled with Wickham, coupled by the reaction from, uh, and we'll talk about it later on of the stadium name. I think it would have just been a, about four days of just just a reminder that we are Bolton Wanderers, uh, <laughs> and this is what we do. But no, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was a big result. And, and I know we were talking last week on the podcast about let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But I do think, I, I do sense a change in the mentality of the club. And I think whereas so many times before we've had big games and lost them um, or we've been embarrassed or all of this stuff, especially in the last 10 years, I think now we're a different team. And that's what the managers instilled into Bolton Wanderers. And we are winning more of these big games now. You know, we're getting more of these results when we need them. And, um, and yeah, and, and hopefully that'll happen again in, in April. But, yeah, I, I do think if, if we would have lost, especially how the game turned out, yeah, I think, I think we would have. We would have probably cancelled the podcast today because <laughs> we would have just wanted to hide. Yes, yes. Well, it very nearly happened anyway. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, I mean, this, this podcast genuinely is just being recorded on the hoof, basically, with we we we're not exactly the biggest planners in the world, but this is being done with <laughs> practically no planning. I'll be honest with you. Um, but seeing as the Accrington game is fresh in the memory, and we are recording this on Thursday morning, it happened last night. I've had very little sleep, and I'm existing entirely on caffeine. I thought, well, let's get some clips on because we spoke to Elias Kachunga straight after the game. This is what he had to say. How difficult has it been for you after what occurred just a few weeks ago? Obviously, it wasn't uh, wasn't easy, um, but um, yeah, I think I had a lot of support uh, yeah, from the team, especially. Um, I have a really strong family as well. Um, they helped me as well uh, through this period, and um, yeah, I'm just happy um, as well. Like for all the messages uh, from a lot of people, um, from the supporter um, who text me on uh, yeah, different social media. Um, and gave, gave their support, so um, this was really helpful. Um, I think everyone has gone sometimes through a little tough period uh, in life, um, if it's on the pitch or uh, as well outside the pitch, so um, yeah, it was nice to see as well, a lot of the support what you get. Demanding lot, they won't want one Wembley, they want two Wembleys, so do we fancy two Wembleys? Yeah, 100%, obviously, we're <laughs> in the mix there and um, trying to stay in there. Um, I think for us, is we just have to go from game to game yeah. and then uh, see at the end where we are. But um, 100%, our target has to be like to be in the playoffs or maybe get a little sniff at the end to go um, over the first two places up. But um, yeah, I think we just should look from game to game and uh, hopefully, yeah, this year we have uh, two Wembleys or maybe a Wembley and already in the next league. Yeah. Well, exactly, and and. Obviously, you're now getting a knack of scoring important goals. We'll have some more from you as well, please. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I think before, obviously, 
I showed already good performance, being sometimes maybe a bit unlucky yeah. uh, to not score the goal. Um, and today, obviously, was another game. Tried everything, um, had a good performance, and this time I scored. So sometimes, mm -hmm. as a striker, you just need these moments, and then from there on, it's just like uh, every game that you score goals. Football's a strange game sometimes, isn't it? You, you write interesting stories. Hundred yeah, percent. I think a few weeks. Uh, Everything looked a bit different, mm -hmm. um, but this is football. Obviously, every day something else can change. Um, this was my main focus um, to work hard for the team, um, especially in training when I couldn't play. And yeah, this is why today I think um, I deserve to score the goal. You've always had a, a big role to play behind the scenes as well as on the pitch, but this is a, a really important time now for Bolton. Do you, do you think there's even more pressure on your shoulders now to to? make that difference and to, to guide the younger players also we have now as well like a few other experienced yeah, players who yeah. came in um, in the dressing room but um, yeah, 100 percent i see me as well like as as a player to want to help the team um, to lead the team um, off the pitch and on the pitch um, and yeah we're in a good position but i think like the biggest strength for us is if we see from game to game um, just don't look too much ahead um, take it day by day and um, yeah just try to work every day really hard Yes, uh, Elias, one of football's nice guys, genuinely one of the nice guys. Um, and he's only in the team. This, and these, this is the kind of story that, that football throws up all the time. He was only in that team because Bolton had nobody else really to throw in. Um, he would have been a, a substitute, I'm pretty sure of that, if if they had Cameron Jerome to throw in or something like that. It, yeah. You know, they, they obviously were lacking the, the players that were cup-tied, but so many injuries as well, losing Dempsey at Wickham. Um, it, they were so under strength. Yeah, they were, and um, you know, I, I, that did worry me actually. Um, you know, when the team came out, and you look and go, "Well, we've only got six subs on the bench. We've got no really attackers. We've got Lloyd Lisgrove to come come in on the the wing and Geffen Jones, I guess." But, but you know, still no nothing going forward. And I think that the way the game panned out, it really helped Bolton because if. If they hadn't gone down to ten men, and it was just a normal game, Bolter, we we didn't have any. It was Kachunga and Charles. That was it. You know, there's no changes. Whereas when suddenly the game, um, you know, and we got Kieran Lee in the midfield, but because the game then went to attack the defence, I think then it allowed like the likes of Kieran Lee just to sort of have a breather a little bit. Charles and Kachunga weren't having to track back or anything. It would just they were then. They were between sort of the penalty area and the uh, halfway in the half. So yeah, I think that really worked in Bolton's favour because I I'll be honest, if it was eleven v eleven and it became a game of of high energy, I would have been worried for how we would have ended the game. Yeah, I, I was with you, especially after the amount they had put in at Wickham to try and get some sort of breakthrough or try and get back on level terms there. They, they did look a little bit jaded. I had I had his Grove playing in about five different positions, me in the end, because I'm thinking, well, you know, if they, if they have to bring a striker on, maybe he can play off, off, a, off a front man, maybe he can do this, maybe he can play left back, maybe he can do this. But um, no, the substitutions worked to, work to treat. What is interesting now is that we've got to get back to, to normality. And Port Vale at the weekend and beyond, they've got Portsmouth and, and there's, there's still a, a big playoff um, push needed before you get anywhere near April the 2nd and the final. Do you think it will be a distraction to Bolton's league form? Do you think they're going to look and say, well, 
you know that 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 final is there on April the second, and it, it may kind of off put the results in March. I I don't think I don't think the manager will allow that. I, he could do. I may, mm. but I think what will help us as well is that we have a uh, we have a week of um, you know between the Sheffield Wednesday game and the final. Yes. You know, like a, oh, you actually include it's on a Friday, and it? so it's a week and two days. So I think we've got that. So then they can put the energy in, knowing that if there is any little knocks that happen, they'll probably be gone That's by true. then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas if we'd played on the Tuesday night before it, it might be a bit different. So yeah, it's. Um, I hope not, and I don't think so because um, I think the team's quite settled anyway. There might be one or two on the bench who are who are thinking, you know, we can put that in, but. We have got quite a few injuries, so maybe the ones on the bench are thinking, well, I'm going to get on it at some point. Well, it's going to be the Green Army that Bolton come up against, Plymouth Argyle, the old foes. And, I mean, they'd had a bit of a wobble up until, um, well, a couple of results ago. They've, they've won the last couple. They're looking a little bit more stable again now. I mean, did you see much of their game against Cheltenham? Because I, I couldn't watch. I mean, as a Cheltenham boy myself, I turned I turned on a few minutes before half-time and saw them have a goal, Plymouth have a goal disallowed and then watched a bit of the second half and I thought, oh, Plymouth are just going to win this. I'm just not going to watch it. And then turned my iPad on at about one o'clock in the morning and saw it was penalties. So did you see any of the game? I did, yeah. And, and you know what? The, the longer it went on, the far... Because I assumed, like everyone else, Plymouth would walk, you know, walk over. Yeah. But then the the game, I watched the the first half, and then Plymouth had a goal disallowed, and I and I thought, you, you never know, Cheltenham, they weren't just sitting back like they did when they played us. They were actually having a few attacks, mm. um, and then second half they got the goal. It did not surprise me one bit. And then I thought they could hang on here, and I mean, you know, it's it's what it is. You know, penalties. It is a lot true when it's penalties, and they lost. So. Uh, um, uh, but I mean, how do you, do you think that Bolton? Because I was having this discussion with my dad actually, and he thinks we're better off playing Plymouth because Cheltenham, he is still scarred from the other week when he watched <laughs> watched that game. But he's like, and he's actually said, he said if if we were playing Cheltenham at Wembley, I'd actually consider not going if that's what they're going to do. But um, but no, I, I think do you do you think maybe because it's a bit more of an open game and we have played well against Plymouth in both games. Do you think we could be better playing them? I mean, you're right there. They have played well against Plymouth in both games. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. There, there was a bit of me that, because Cheltenham don't have a great deal of experience in, in kind of the showpieces and um, kind of the, the underdog tag and all that kind of stuff, They and they are more direct than, than Plymouth are. I thought Wembley may be just a little bit outsized for them, but um, no, I think I think it does suit Bolton. I think that sort of pitch will definitely suit Bolton. It's a big pitch. It's obviously fantastic surface, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think probably the other thing with Plymouth is that they're going to bring a lot of fans. There's going to be there is going to be expectation there, especially if they're still at the top end of the league. They probably go into that game as favourites, um, given on league position. So. Maybe that pressure works in Bolton's favour. Who knows? We'll have to see as and when we we come up to it. But um, I mean, the the one people, the one person rather, or the people, or the collection of people who are happiest, of course, are uh, the EFL. And 
I'm sure the ticket sales will be infinitely better. I know for a fact that if if Bolton or Plymouth would have played Accrington or Cheltenham, it would have been a Category 2 game. So they would have only opened a certain number of sections. So I think that the maximum attendance would have been... Um, I think it's... From memory, I think the, the middle bit is 16,000 and then the bottom bit is about 40,000. Um, so that would have been the maximum attendance. But I think with this, it's a Category 1 game, so it could theoretically spill beyond that. So Bolton could get more than 30,000 fans if they were to, to sort of take that many. Um, I mean, we've, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago. How many, how many do you expect Bolton to take? Yeah, I think between... I think between twenty and thirty thousand, probably. I think the Stoke game, of memory, I don't know whether he took twenty-two, maybe twenty, twenty-three. But then again, you've you've got to think with that Stoke game, we had had success relatively mm. close to that. Whereas now, you know, Bolton have been in the the doldrums for a while, and I, and I think the the way the club is at the moment, people are wanting to go. And also, I think you know, I was looking at the prices for last season. Uh, the other, uh, last night, and I think it's uh, oh, like I think it's going to be twenty. You know, for if behind the goal, mm. I think it's like twenty five quid maybe. So I think if that's the case as well, I think there'll be a lot of people. If it was like fifties and sixties all over the stadium, I think maybe it'd be you know twenty. But I think with that prices, and if people can get down there, then I think yeah, we could push thirty thousand. But I, I also think Plymouth. Plymouth would be very vocal about how many they've sold, so it could become a, like a bit of a sell-off between the two clubs. Well, I mean, the the trans transportation problem is a big one because there are strikes on April the first on the rail, and that's inevitably going to spill over into the Sunday as well. Um, I know I've, I've looked tentatively into looking into trains and. You can't book anything for that Sunday at the minute because they don't know how it's going to be working. So um, that's going to impact. It'll impact Plymouth as well, I should imagine. I'm not sure which of the two uh, two clubs are closer to Wembley, to be honest, because Plymouth isn't close to anywhere as far as I'm aware of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. That's, that may well impact on things and it may, it may mean people have got to travel on different days and all that kind of stuff. But I, I would hope that Bolton can get 30,000. The one thing that I will say, and, and I'll... I really do mean this, is Bolton Wanderers have got to get the ticketing right. The communication has got to be right on when these ticket things open, how the Ticketmaster queue system works, because there are people out there that do not understand why they are sat in a queue, you know, three quarters of an hour before the club uh, say the queue is open and there are 4,000 people ahead of them. They, they, they really do need to not assume that people are all tech savvy and have been using Ticketmaster for years. That's a little bit of a gripe of mine. And I heard it again, I think it was last week or the week before, just that I think nowadays clubs just assume that everybody's on Twitter and social media. And yet you're, you're alienating a great big chunk of your, your fan base there. Um, it needs to be broken down in very detail, very simplistic detail for people so that, that, there's no scope for errors. There's no people know exactly what they're buying into, when they need to do something, how they need to do something. Um, they need to work with people like themselves, people like BBC and and and, and Bolton FM and, and everybody, because that's that's who people listen to. Um, it's not just a case of well, it was on our website. 
that that is something that I it's a it's a trap that I think Bolton Wanderers fall into too often, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think with whatever seventeen thousand, sixteen thousand season ticket holders, you'd think. Everyone who wants a ticket should get a ticket, yes. even yeah. if, uh, like me, uh, you know, I'm not a season ticket holder, but I'm, I will be there, and I know I'll be there. So, um, so yeah, the, there's the benefit of that. But I agree with what there. I think everyone needs to work together, and this is a big, it's a big showpiece uh, event, but it's also a big event for Bolton, you know, to, you know, the feel goods there. And I think if there's any sort of if there's anyone who is disgruntled, that spreads. It spreads like wildfire. We've seen it with, especially with ticketing. So, um, well, yeah. Do you, do you hope... remember the, the Carling Cup final, two thousand four? Um, I was there. I do remember, but I didn't buy the tickets. I was too young, so I, I don't necessarily remember if there was an issue with it. There was a huge issue with it. There was a massive problem. Um, the, the club completely underestimated what sort of demand there would be. There was. There was all sorts of issues. I mean, it became a big thing. It, it completely blighted the the whole build up to that game, and you know we've seen in in, in smaller patches in recent games when there's been high demand, um, and there's a lot of people saying there should be a loyalty system and this, that, and the other, and and that's all going to have to happen. I think if they get into the championship, it it might be a bit easier because the allocations are bigger. But if Bolton were to stay in League One next season, I think they do need to start thinking about something like that. Um, but but definitely. The way that the tickets are sold needs to be communicated spot on, um, and that's my that's my soapbox moment for this morning. <laughs> um, right, okay. Well, I tell you what. Before we before we crack on with everything else, and we've got a bit more about um, about Ian Ever, I did actually grab a word with the manager, um, and we'll talk about his ticket sales actually as well. <laughs> that's that's worth worth a go. But here's here's Ian Ever speaking after the final whistle. You forget how young your team is at times, and you looked yeah. at some of the lads out there that were doing men's jobs today, and, and got yeah. quite proud of that. I mean, again, like I was, I was nervous for them. I was nervous mm. for everybody, and they're young players, really young players, and this is as tough as it gets. Mm. I mean, I read some of their press that was coming out of Accrington before the game, and this was the biggest game in their history, and we knew they were going to throw everything at us. And they did, and we managed to cope, and then we still kept our belief and played the way that we play. I thought we were a lot braver in possession than we were on Saturday, which helped. Mm. And, and yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm so pleased for so many of them. Ricardo Santos as well to lead the team out at Wembley. Like, there's no one that deserves it more than him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very proud man tonight. This is the most nervous I've ever been in my football life tonight, because um, when you're playing, you can affect things. Um, and like I said I just wanted it so bad for, for so many people um, for Sharon the board for, for the fans for everyone connected with BWFC this was just a, a massive thing and I, I almost wanted it too much and it made myself a little bit nervous but like I, I, I trust this group of players uh, I think they're an incredible group and they deserve to go and have a go at Wembley Stadium Somebody asked me if you'll have a smile when you first tonight uh, maybe a little one. I've had my teeth done. Um, I wouldn't have done without these gnashes. Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're shining. Yeah, they're shining in the, the spot. Yeah, exactly that. Um, but no, yeah. Look, I think sometimes you lose sight of of things that you're doing. Um, and I'm a young manager. So in my fifth season, I've I've had two promotions, two top ten finishes, and now at a Wembley final. But sometimes you have to really pinch yourself about what's happening in your life. And yeah, tonight I'll I'll have a beer, sit down, and a rice meal. 
See, even even Ian Everett cracked a smile. Now he's got nice teeth. <laughs> I would, if I had his teeth, I'd be smiling all the time. He does. He deserves it. He deserves it um, as well as everybody else. I mean, you know, Sharon and uh, and the football ventures guys. The, you know, the players like Geth and Santos that have been there from the start, and the guys that came out of the league. You know, everyone and the fans obviously have been through a, a ridiculous roller coaster. So I, I'm I'm hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't deserve it. Yeah, um, you know, I think there's one or two. I think, yeah, there is one or two. But um, no, I think on the whole, I think the the club the, people are working really hard behind the scenes, and I, I think as fans, we probably underestimate the job that needed to be done because all we see is what goes out on the pitch. Mm. Um, yet, you know, we needed to first of all get that right because we had no players, uh, which they eventually did at the end of League Two. But then after that, and when you've got a settled squad, suddenly you've then got everything else. You know, you've got to get uh, people on board to to invest. You've got to get people on board to uh, sponsorships. You've got to make sure the ground is all like even at the start of this season when they've, they've painted the place. You know, it's it's all of that stuff, and I think all that hard work. Uh, you know, we're seeing the benefits of it, and and honestly, at the you know, I've supported Bolton for twenty five years now, and I've seen us. Um, you know, I've seen us top of the Premier League, and I've seen us bottom bottom of League Two. Mm-hmm. I've seen us in Europe, and I've seen us go out to Hartlepool in the Papa Johns. <laughs> but uh, but this is one of my most exciting times watching Bolton. You know, I'd even and you know I was uh, about thirteen, fourteen when we were in Europe, and that was exciting. But you didn't really have anything to compare it to, mm. like. Um, but now. I, I this I I want to I want to go every week. If you don't go, you feel you're missing out on mm. on something. And uh, you know, I think for us to get to Wembley, it's I think for everyone, the fans, and I know even Ian Ever, uh, you know, did a shout out for you guys, you and Jacko and Derek Clark and all the press teams. You know, saying it's a day out for you as well. It is. It's a wonderful thing for all of us, and I think we all deserve it. I don't think, I think we're probably the bottom of uh, said list of people that deserve it, to be fair, Henry. At least we uh, we get paid, as, I, as I'm continually reminded uh, that I get paid uh, to do these sort of things. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is the journey he's been on. I mean, there have been moments in that very stadium, in fact. You know, you go back to December 2021, I think it was, when they got beat 1-0, Tommy Lee scored the goal. And... That was that was awful. That was that was evil. Some of the stuff that the, some of the abuse that he was having to put up with from his own fans at that point in time, when the injuries were stacking up, the results were crap. You know, they were they were looking over the shoulder at the bottom four rather than anywhere near the playoffs, which had been where the club had kind of said it was going to be going. Um, and to to kind of roll with those punches, it, you know, it's not always been plain sailing. There've been mistakes. There've been all sorts. But I I always say, and we've said loads of times on this, that it, it's kind of the manager's fallibility that makes him a fascinating character for me because you kind of feel like you're learning along the way with him. You, yes, mistakes can get made, and yes, you can not agree with everything he's saying, but you're right in there. You know what he's thinking. It's not. You're not sort of like sometimes with Premier League clubs, you kind of sit down and, and listen to a manager, 
and you're not you're not really getting what he's thinking. He's he's just basically going through the motions and saying what needs to be said to fill some airtime, and then walks off again. Especially at the biggest clubs. But with Ian Ever, it's it, you know exactly what's on his mind because he says it straight off. And it's it's been a really it's been a really interesting experience. It will continue to be an ex- interesting experience. And and it was good, I think, last night to be able to see him just with a bit of pressure, actually admitting that he was under pressure, that he felt nervous, which very rarely happens. Um, and just seeing that different side to him, just like, oh, Christ, thank God, I'll go and have a beer now and uh, then we'll get ready for Port Vale. Yeah, uh, yeah, they'd make me laugh that because he is, he's very much feet on the ground. And I, even after the, the results the other week, he was saying, you know, let's not, yeah, the fans get excited, but we're not going to. Um, so for him to actually say, and maybe he had that with this result in mind, in this game in mind. You know, he thought, I don't want to get too excited because it could all mess up against Accrington. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it's Ian Everett has had his, his, the, the, his... He can be a Marmite character. And also, I think there are some fans in, you know, Bolton fans who don't like the style of play we play and don't like him. But I think overall... And it, you know, and I, you know me, I've always defended him. I really like Ian Everett, even when we were losing. But I think, um, you know, overall, you look at his record, and I, and I noticed as well. I think it was BWFC stats that said that now in his first 150 games, which I think his 150th game is going to be on Saturday, maybe or the game after, he's won more than Bruce Rioch. He's 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 got the record of the most wins. Wow. Uh, he's you know he's he's took us to Wembley. And we've got a promotion and then finish ninth the next season. I, I don't think he could have done much more, to be honest. And yet there are probably still people out there that uh, yeah. find, find a gripe. It is incredible, but, uh, you know, that we can't change things like that. Um, it'd be a boring world if we all thought the same. Um, one thing he did do, and that's raise a lot of money with an auction, which was his own idea, by the way. I think he came up with... Um, uh, the idea of auctioning off his four complimentary tickets because players get given um, and staff get given uh, tickets for their families and such like that's standard course and um on what day was it monday when we did the press conference um he basically said oh well listen i'm, I'm not using mine can we put them to good use and thanks to accrington who by the way did not have to say yes because it it, it meant it it meant obviously accommodating Bolton fans in their own area of the ground potentially or in the hospitality area so they were very good with that um, they were able to raise I think it was nearly £1,300 in the end wasn't it it was, it was incredible to, yeah. to, for four tickets yeah and it shows that I, that shows as well people want to go watch Bolton Wanderers people are willing to pay close to a grand or over a grand to watch Bolton at Accrington Stanley um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah that's uh, you know, but yeah, it's a great cause, and obviously, it's it's credit to Ian Everett to, uh, you know, to make that make that they make his tickets available for for that. But That's yeah, just a good wow, idea, I think. Yeah. I mean, they they were raising money for the the Turkey and Syria um, earthquake appeals, of course. That's uh, that's where the money's gone to. But it did make me think. I've got I've got Dan Barnes sat next to me in the press box. I just every time I looked at him, I just thought six hundred quid. That that seat, I could I could have auctioned that six hundred quid. I know, and you probably got more to sit next to you and Jack Dearden and Derek Clark. You know, I, I mean, mean it's if the... Jack, if Jack would have auctioned off all the seats he had in that press box, he could have retired. <laughs> and he didn't yeah, even yeah, do commentary. 
<laughs> I noticed you said he had his uh, his entourage with him. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly onwards, and this is the last time I'm going to mention it on this podcast, but I'm not going to promise I won't say it before we go to Wembley. I don't want to go overboard on um, the Stoke City aura, but the last time Bolton were at Wembley was not good. It's still mentally etched on my mind, and I dare say a lot of the 30,000 or whatever it was that, that actually came, it was about 20-odd thousand, wasn't it? Um, just the images of that day. Do, will it Will it have any effect, you think, going back there? No, I don't think it will. I think... I mean, there's no one there from that time anyway, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think they'll be talking the build-up, but I don't think the players will be bothered. I don't think Ian Everett, Ian Everett will get asked the question, but he won't be bothered. Um, you know, it's from a different era and, um, you know, I, I think they'll if we win, I think there'll be possibly a few of the team on that day and maybe the manager who might be a little bit relieved that, um, that that's been, you know, blown away. But, um yeah, you know, I think for the fans, I think it'll, first of all, it'll make a lot of people very hungry to win. Um, but, you know, I think it, enough times passed now. It was that and the Stuart Holden injury kind of as being the, the, the sort of the, the, the downfall started from there. Mm. And we're now on the rise again. So if we win, I think, uh, I think it will lay the ghost to rest. But, you know, I think even if we lose, I, I think, I don't think it'll be 12 years until we're at Wembley again. I'm hoping it won't be 12 weeks, to be honest, but uh, there we yeah. go. Right, other things happened this week too. Not not many, but some. So let's have some headlines. News. Uh, where should we start, Mark? Um, um... Yeah, let's see. Um, right. Tough sheet. Um, no, oi, oi, this is a family podcast. I don't, <laughs> I don't need that sort of sailor talk. We're celebrating the tough sheet. Um, <laughs> so, you, I read all the stuff that you'd put out, the articles. Yeah. You'd obviously spoke to the, the people involved. So, give us a timeline. When, um, like, when did you speak to them and, and what sort of, before we knew on Sunday, hmm. was the club aware that obviously the name will probably get memed by other fans uh yeah i think they were they were acutely aware of it um i mean obviously i suppose i think the the process had been going on for a few months they outsourced the um idea of trying to get somebody on board as a stadium sponsor plus shirt sponsor and going off the club Communique, uh, 200 different companies approached, 40, was it 40 or 20, I can't remember, that were, yeah, were, like that. were narrowed down to and talked to. And uh, call it fate, call it karma, call it what you will, um, it ended up being the company that was about five minutes drive down the road, um, which I think the more you know about the company, the more impressive it is really because they they are genuinely the market leaders in what they do. It's not a particularly sexy, glamorous world uh, recycling um, or or building products um, as they do, but they are flipping good at it and they're making a lot of money, which is is a source of, of pride for Bolton, I think, because I think the Sunday Times had them in, in the, the top 
100, 100 profit makers in the last three years uh, in terms of companies across the UK. So they are really doing a great job. Um, and Dougie Mercer, who's in charge there, he's a Bolton lad, you know, knows his Bolton Wanderers. Um, we obviously go back quite a way with the company anyway. They've sponsored our business awards at the paper. Um, and they're a really, really good company. Uh, they run, really run very, very well. Um, so it takes a lot of boxes, and, and the, the name the name worried me. I've got to be completely honest with you that I had a phone call with Doug, and I was before I um, before I started it. I, I just thought, oh, Jesus, do you know what? I'm going to have this conversation, and I know that I know that he likes Wanderers, and I kind of half knew the backstory about why he was getting involved, and and I thought, but do you know what? I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to ask him outright. Well, but what about the name? Because that's going to be the thing. And the first thing he said is, listen, I know folks are going to take the... And, and he didn't say Michael. Hmm. Um, he said something different. Um, and, and I thought, oh. <laughs> and then he says, but don't worry about that. He says, I can't wait for him to try and say on Sky Sports. And um, we want to have a bit of fun of it. I've told Sharon that it doesn't bother me. Let's have a bit of fun with it. This is, I, want to get, I want to get the company name out there. And this is the best way. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God. Thank God. So I had that conversation with him, and and then it was a case of we we planned to to run it on Monday morning as as the story because it was and the club moved moved their announcement, but whatever. Um, yeah. Bottom line is the club put out their press release, and I think it's fair to say that the response was quite a harsh one at first. Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, and I think because you know, to be to be honest, you know, you you told me the week before and said you think it's this, yeah. And I was my first reaction to you was, oh dear, because but then, you know, I don't know whether as a fan and and don't get me wrong, I wasn't the type of person who was thinking we're going to get Reebok back. I am more realistic than that. Maybe when we're in the Premier League, but not now. But um, yeah, you kind of were like, well, wonder wonder who it is going to be. I wonder what company you. The first thing you hope for with, with a, as a fan is, I hope it's a decent name mm. and better than the University of Bolton. And in that sense, it's not. <laughs> it's it's you know, <laughs> but as um, you know, as obviously it's come out afterwards about you know, it's it's he's a Bolton person. Mm. His wife was a massive fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Bolton company. You know, it is you. You're always going to get the Mickey taken out of the club. I've had loads of texts from people going, "Oh, you know, like, can you? This is a rubbish name and all of that." But I think, um, you know, I, I think we'll get used to it. Just like Uniball, I think we got used to that. We'll get used to this. I, I know that you put in your article. I mentioned the the TS Community yeah, Stadium. Is that yeah. something that maybe the the it could be called, or is that just? Is that I think. An option? I think that is. Uh... That's the the ideal. That is the ideal. When the University of Bolton first agreed to do this, the sponsorship, I stood in an office talking to some of the the key men in there, and I said, "I'll be honest with you, the, the name doesn't work for me <laughs> because it doesn't fit in a headline." Um, and I said, "We're going to have to find some sort of shorthand," and they weren't particularly keen with it, and we batted a few ideas around. Um, and I think it was our news editor that came up with a what about Unibol? And we used it, I think, a couple of times in the first couple of weeks just to see if it got any traction. And pretty soon people were using it 
enough for us to stick with it. And, you know, obviously time told and, and people, not everybody was enamoured with it, don't get me wrong, um, uh, but the managers started using it. And it, it became, people know, know when you said Uniball, you, they knew it was the University of Bolton Stadium. There was, there was no sort of ambiguity there. So I think what will happen with the Tough Sheet Stadium or the Tough Sheet Community Stadium or the TS Community Stadium is it will depend what sticks. And the Tough Sheet Community Stadium does not fit in a headline, so we're going to have to find something that does. Um, I, you know, TSC potentially, I don't know. But it's, it's going to be impossible to write the Tough Sheet Community Stadium in every single piece of literature that goes out. And everybody involved is aware of that, I hope. Um, so there will be a short time and, and it, you find it just kind of organically you find a way and I don't know I, I I mean let's be honest how many people refer to it by its Sunday name even now even the University yeah. of Bolton Stadium not many people it's only usually media types like us that or the radio types that that, that give it its full name yeah it's uh, it's the Reebok uh, oh, yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah, I think um, this is this is the thing. When you start off with a sponsor for the stadium, it's you can't go anywhere with it. You know, like if if it had been called something else, I don't know the the Middlebrook Stadium, and then after that it became the Reebok Stadium, and then the Macron. You could then always go back to Middlebrook, mm. but because we started with the Reebok Stadium, which which was brilliant, a brilliant name, it rolled off the tongue, the Reebok. Even Macron, you you can't go anywhere. And when you drop down the leagues, unfortunately, you're getting close to the Cherry Red Record Stadium or whatever Wimbledon's were called. Um, so you you know you that's where you go, and that's where we are at the moment. Um, and hopefully, in five years, I mean, Tough Sheet may become a an even bigger brand and may stick with the the sponsorship. But in five years, we could be pushing the Premier League. You never know. And then suddenly, you've got airlines or sportswear brands that are wanting to sponsor the stadium mm. so um so yeah i think it, it is what it is you know obviously people have took them in but people will get used to it and people will forget that the uh and, it, and to be honest this has been great publicity for tough sheet oh, um i'm sure their website's had more hits than it's ever had but um you mentioned before about the uh it being the, the best deal for bolton mm. um have we I mean, you may not be able to say, but have we any idea of roughly how much it's bringing in? Because it's over five years and it's a record deal. Well, I mean, it, it is difficult to say. It is difficult to say. All, I, all I'll say is when, when, I asked, when I asked the owner, he said it's multi-multi-million. Multi-multi-million. Um, right. uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, read from that what you will. I mean, Reebok, the money they paid over the course of the, the three-year sort of bits and bobs was, was about a million quid. So to say this is the best, you know, deal that Bolton ever got doesn't necessarily mean you're talking tens of millions of pounds. You're not necessarily. It's it's not as lucrative. It's, it's obviously a big thing sponsorship wise. It's mm. it's probably I don't know whether or not it's bigger than this, this shirt. Probably is bigger than the shirt, but it's it's not quite as big a sums as I think some people potentially pin on it. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was a couple of million over over the, the course of the five years. Um, and uh, the the interesting thing now is what happens with the shirts? Because the idea was to try and get the two tied in together. And as, 
as best as I can tell, although at the moment, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of information on it, but as best I can tell, it is not tough tough sheet. Um, so there may be another avenue there or another company there. So we shall see. But, I mean, it, the, the fact that the club have said it's their best uh, best offer of all time, it, it's ambiguous. It's press, it's press release speak. Um, we'll only really know when the company's house stuff comes up in a couple of years' time when we can start comparing and contrasting. Um, I think uh, stretching back to... Macron, for example, I, I seem to remember Bolton making a big thing of, of how massive and spectacular that was, and it turns out it wasn't as big as Reebok. And, and, and you know, you, sometimes only in a couple of years can you then pick through the minutiae and the wording of a press release and then say, oh, it was, you know, a little bit hyperbolic or whatever it, it might be. But um, we shall see. I, I'm sticking with Dougie's multi-multi-million. I'm more than happy. And, and by the way, cracking guy... Um, I genuinely hope he gets the uh, the attention and the the um, representation that he deserves for it. Because, uh, as you say, it's been a I'm sure it's been a, a wild few weeks, but I'm sure it's not going to stop. But you know, fans ain't going to stop uh, ain't going to stop uh, taking the Mickey out of uh, Bolton for this for for many years. But Bolton fans are brilliant at that sort of stuff. I've never never seen a, a more self depreciated bunch in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we certainly are. Um, right, moving on then. Um, a headline that's come out, uh, which annoyingly has come out after the Wickham game, because I felt it might have helped us before it. But uh, Gareth Ainsworth has left Wickham. He's moved Ian Ever up one in the longest reigning managers list. Um, obviously, you know, it probably would have helped uh, if it had happened before we played them on Saturday. But do you think in the long run this season it could help Bolton? I think it might destabilise Wickham a little bit. Because they were in such a good groove, and it, I mean, Bolton need no reminder of when Big Sam left, and somebody who's been there for that length of time suddenly starts taking backroom staff, and it's okay if it's just a manager. Sometimes it's not actually that bad to re- replace it, and that's what clubs are starting to do now, where you have this big kind of team above a management management structure, and then it's easier to exchange the guy that sat in the dugout or the couple of guys. But actually what will happen is because QPR have got a good budget, Ainsworth will go over there and then suddenly it'll be like, oh, I need that fitness guy and I need that sports science guy. And then suddenly you're replacing everything and the whole culture of the club changes. And whilst they've, they've appointed uh, Matt Bloomfield, I think he is, and he, the ex-player, obviously he knows what he's on about. He's, he's, he's been in the, the structure for a while at Wickham. I don't think it's going to be an easy one. That's got Sammy Lee written all over it for me. Yeah, I I thought that I thought when uh, they announced it, it's it's you know it it's going to be tough because Wickham have built an identity, mm. uh, Wickham, uh, and that's part of Gareth. <clears throat> sorry, Gareth Ainsworth, that uh, he's instilled that, and he gets the fans on board. And noticed they had a, a banner for him behind the dugout on Saturday, and uh, yeah, it's um, I, I think I think you're right. I think he could really destabilize them and. You know, they were doing so well. They were knocking on the door of the playoffs. And now I think, yeah, for Bolton, because as well, you look at the table and we are fourth, but we're also a few games ahead of everyone else. There's a few teams that if they win the games in hand, they go above us. Mm. Uh, Wickham are on one of them. So, yeah, I think, um, I mean, we'll see. You never know. But, yeah, 
we'll we'll have to see how it how it does for them. Yeah, I mean, should we have a a very brief chat about Saturday? Since we've brought up Wickham, yeah, um, disappointing. I mean, it, it's hard to talk about it now because we've had such a high on Wednesday. But um, yeah, it was disappointing, wasn't it? You know, I I managed to watch it. You were there. Um, do you think it was just uh, kind of one game too many for Bolton? You know, we'd had the highs of the the last two games as well. Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. Um, they, I, I mean, they didn't play well. They weren't any sort of free-flowing best. Wickham pretty much strangled them. It was just disappointing more that they got dragged into the sort of game. Um, I'm glad that they got it out of the system at Accrington. Um, that kind of points the way to what they're going to need to do against that sort of team. Um, I don't think it'll be the same against Port Vale at the weekend, but um, they've still got a few of those coming up, so... I, they do need to get smarter. They do need to get smarter. You do forget sometimes they're a younger team as well. So these sort of things can happen. And um, yeah, yeah, move on. We, as you say, you can kind of look at it with different eyes. Had and, and I go back to that point. Had they lost on Wednesday night, that Wickham result would have looked dreadful, and we would have been talking about it for ages. But as it happens, we probably won't. No. Uh... Yeah, well, let's move on to the next headline. And this is actually, uh, as we're recording this now, this has just happened, so which is why we probably would have mentioned it earlier in the recording if we'd known. Uh, but John Motson has passed away, of course, uh, a famous commentator, the voice of football for a lot of people. Um, and I think for Bolton fans, you know, you think of the, the Arsenal away game in the FA Cup, I think Bolton fans will be able to pick out some of their favourite Bolton moments with the voice of John Motson. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've, you've just told me <laughs> when we took a little uh, break there. I mean, it's it's so sad. Um, Motti, uh, I mean, he's, he's, when I was younger, he was my favourite commentator. I think as, as I've grown older, I've, I've started to appreciate quite a few different ones. But he was he was the guy, you know, he, he, he was the commentator um, in, when I was growing up. Um, and I've been lucky enough to meet him in real life and... and have a have a chat with him. He's a he was a bit cantankerous. I don't mind telling you, he was a bit grumpy. Um, <laughs> a couple of press conferences, you know, when he's he sat there shuffling through his notes and you try to have a conversation with him. Not the easiest guy in the world to speak to, but uh, what a professional! And and you know, you look at I've read his book, um, and he started off as a journalist um, and uh, kind of went through and, and worked at so many World Cups and. European Championships and called so many massive, massive games. Um, an incredible career. It really has uh, knocked me on my uh, backside a little bit, really. Um, but yes, and most importantly, the uh, that Arsenal game clip. Um, I've still got it on here somewhere. I might, uh, I might play a little bit of that later on and uh, and remind myself because it's he's uh, a great commentator. It, it's it's funny just just the 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 tone of somebody can just be so familiar and that was that was the thing with John Watson you you knew where you were you were in match of the day you you know it, it was the it was the big game on match of the day if Motti was talking yeah um and you know I obviously you know mine's more 90s and noughties and it was cup finals and it was him and uh, Barry Davis and then Clive Tilsley on ITV Martin Tyler on Sky I think they were the four for me the four sort of big ones um and and John Champion, of course, you know. So there's there's certain voices that you hear, 
and it just takes you back to certain moments or, you know, certain, um, you know, you just, it's that nostalgia. You know, I'd I'd speak to my dad and he'd talk about commentators from the 70s and the 80s, you know, and I think as part of being a football fan, you, you, uh, you warm to certain commentators because they just give you that nostalgia and Motti was definitely one of them. Yeah, it's like a soundtrack to your life. It's very, very sad and uh, my sympathies to any friends and, and family. Near post position. Kelly's there as well. Kelly. That was Brown. McGinley! And they scored! Bolton are in front. And it's McGinley, the cup hero that they can't contain. Should we, uh, should we move on? Yeah, um, so the last one before we talk about Port Vale is about Kyle Dempsey and George Johnston. Mm. Um, and I throw Cameron Jerome in this as well. You know, they, they obviously none of them played on Wednesday. Uh, we're down to our bare bones. Are any of those going to be coming back on Saturday? I don't think we're going to see him Saturday, but there is a possibility for the Portsmouth game. So uh, Dempsey, most importantly, and we were all kind of questioning this going into the Accrington game, um, is not a serious injury. It's not going to keep him out for long. So whilst Ian Everett said he doesn't think he's going to be there for Saturday, he looks like he won't be out for very, excuse me, very long at all. Um, George Johnson is now back running and able. So that's that's a big thing as well because he was in great form before he got injured. Um, have an impact. George, uh, George Thomason has been on the bench the last couple of weeks. He's been kind of getting a, a feel for it. He's not really played uh, yet, but he's now starting to look like he's going to be back in the in the frame of things. And then Cameron Jerome, who picked up a, a, a bit of a back injury, he shouldn't be out for too long either. So with all the cup-tied players that come back into the equation for the weekend, that should give them a little boost um, and then hopefully for the Pompey game and beyond, uh, they should start getting a few more back and, and having a bit more of a squad. And, and I would be worried if they were going in with the squad they had on Wednesday night every single week. But I think with that cavalry on on the horizon, things are looking up a bit. Yeah, um, just a quick one. And you just I've kind of just thought about it then. With James Trafford, obviously he got his injury on 
on Wednesday and he, he carried on playing. Do you think that there could be a, a, a case for City kind of... Because I know with concussion injuries, for example, you're meant to wait a week, aren't you? You're meant to... I think, I think the rule is if you come off with a concussion, you can't play for a week or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you yeah. think Man City could step in and go, wait a minute, we want to just double-check or do you think they, they'll leave it to Bolton? Well, I think... I'm not speaking from a firm grasp of the actual rules because they are quite new and and, and, and I'm not, not 100% au fait, but I think the on-field doctors have to have the say on the the concussion and he was fit to play. That's why they, he took so long, because they have to check him. He ended up with a big mark on his head. I don't know if you spotted that. He looks like Vision out of the Marvel comics. Yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter, yeah, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's obviously okay to play. And, and fair play to him, he, after that, he played extremely well, considering he was walking back towards the, the only set of home fans that Accrington had. Um, so, yeah, he did uh, he did quite well, really. But I, I don't know of any any uh, precedent where the loan club can order their own concussion check, but I, fingers crossed that doesn't happen because that wouldn't be the best thing in the world. No. Um, right, so shall we move on to uh, Saturday then? Well, shall we, shall we have some predictions? Another game on Saturday and another one on Tuesday as well. They come thick and fast. This February is absolutely bananas. Um, mm. Let's talk about Port Vale primarily. And let's talk about Dennis Politic because he's a player we haven't mentioned in a while. Remember when everybody had a massive meltdown when he left? Yeah, I, funnily enough, I played football with uh, a Port Vale fan and I asked him about politic and he said um, I think he scored a really I think he played Forest Green the other week he scored a really good goal he said he has he's got moments he said he played really well when he was on loan with them has come back and he's only had moments and mm. he's not been that great and I thought that sounds quite familiar actually for Denny's <laughs> politic and yeah I think most of the fans saw how uh, how good he was in moments um, obviously, we don't see him all the time, and he never just didn't fancy it. So, uh, I, no one's really talked about him since. Um, mm. But I mean, does that step it? Oh, we had Bakayoko the other week, and he couldn't score. So, uh, hopefully, Dennis Politic doesn't come back to haunt us. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd fancy him from a set piece or something. And he's got a, he's got a hell of a shot on him. But uh, he's scored seven goals this season for Port Vale. Four of them are in the EFL Trophy, and you know, one of them was a hat trick. But uh, still just struggling to start games, really, even at Port Vale. So he's, he's played 19 times in the league and he's started six games. So, I mean, there's definitely a player in there. He's, you know, technically he's a very, very good player, but I think it was the out-of-possession stuff that uh, Ian ever took immediate, I wouldn't say dislike to, but it just wasn't for him. He just wasn't in, it wasn't part of his team. Um, and obviously... The, the form of Affaline at the time was meaning that he was never going to get anywhere near the team. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him back. He's a good kid um, and he's still on uh, Cremonese's books as well. So whether or not he goes on and continues his career in Italy, that would be quite exciting, I would imagine, for him. But he didn't really get a sniff over there when he moved initially, came back to Port Vale and they like him over there. So, um, you know, um, it'd be nice to see him. But it's an interesting game because... You kind of the the emotions will be so high now, and obviously riding the quest crest of a wave, a quest, a quest of a wave, even, um, or they might just be knackered. What do you reckon? 
Um, yeah, it is. I think this is a because Port Vale. I don't know how many bring they bring in, but I think they took three thousand to Sheffield Wednesday, so I think they'll bring a fair few fans. Um, so I do think that it'll be a big game. It's not like you know if we were playing a Cheltenham who bring fifty fans and sit mm. behind the ball. I think it'll be uh, you know that's that's possibly a, would be easier for us because we'd have most of the possession. I think Port Vale will probably. They'll, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think they'll time waste because every team does. But, like, I think they will offer a bit more. So, it'd be a, I think it'd be a good game. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll fancy the chances. And I think it's for Ian Ever, it's probably one of the biggest matches of a season because he's got to get everyone back to, to concentrating. I think the first chat, the first song of K Sarah Sarah will probably come within 10 seconds of the match. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think for Bolton it's a it's a, a big game. You know, there's teams around us that are uh, you know are, are winning matches again, um, and we need to step away. I think the Barnsley play Derby this weekend. I think actually, I was yeah. coming up, yeah. So there, if we win, we go in three points above them. Um, you know, one of them or two points above them. So yeah, it's a. It's a big game, which is, um, you know, any other time of the season, you'd fancy us to beat Port Vale at home. Mm. Whereas this, you know, I think if they can win, keep the momentum going, it would be brilliant. If we get beat and suddenly everyone's back down to, you know, brings back down to earth, it might be it might be difficult. Then going to Portsmouth again on Tuesday. So, um, you know, probably for me, and I mean, Portsmouth aren't great, but if you offer me four points, would I take it? Possibly. But I do think we can get six. I think one of the things working in the favour is that the cup-tied players will come back into the equation fresh as a daisy mm. for the weekend. So, especially Shoratiri, he's you know he'll swap out for Kieran Lee. I should imagine in that number ten, and then Victor Adibiejo, who's who's not necessarily caught fire yet. He's 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 worked hard. He's he's looked fresh. Just hasn't quite seen enough conviction in front of goal for me at the moment, but that will come, and hopefully that comes with uh, a goal on Saturday at Port, uh, against Port Vale. Um, but yeah, that gives me a bit more confidence that, that there are some ready-made players. I don't know where Unlundalu is, but I don't think he's particularly far away, so potentially Unlundalu could come into that equation as well. Mm. Um, and you know there are there are a couple of other potentials. Getting Jones didn't start the game, of course, but he should be uh, a okay as well. Uh, so there's a couple of easy, easy substitutions to make there for Ian, Ian Everett. Um, and, and then, like you say, just trying to uh, to manage the rest of them because it's quite a quick turnaround. Having that Wednesday night game as opposed to a Tuesday night game is also a, a, a very different thing. Um, yeah. I'm still confident though, Henry. I'm still confident. I'm still going home win. I'm still going... In fact, I'm going to go 2-0. Yeah, I, I'm going to go 3-0. I think... Uh, I think with hell. I know. I'm hey, I'm not glass half full this week, um, but I I think what you said there is a good point. The players coming in and these players, it's not like they're coming back from injury. They they know they're not playing in that final. Mm. So for Adibi Ajo, for Shortere, um, you know, it, it, to be honest, it, it doesn't really matter for them. It, like it does that we're playing at, at, at the final. All they concentrate on is the league. So. Um, so yeah, I think those players coming in, they won't have the hangover. They'll be like right business as usual. So uh, so yeah, I, I think we'll you know Vale Vale are an all right team. I think they've done well this season, um, but uh, no, I think they've, they've they have struggled in recent weeks. So I think we'll be all right. 
I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. That's uh, it's been an all right type of week, really. When uh, yeah, when you look at, when you look back, it'll be an interesting one. Um, it, I want I wonder whether we'll be talking about that Accrington night in in thirty years time with the same sort of reverence that we remember the Blackpool semi final when they got to uh, got to the Sherpa Van Trophy or the Aston Villa semi-final when they got to the Carlin. The, the semi-finals are always the good ones. Yeah. But uh, we shall see. But uh, this week, that's all we've got time for because I am going to go and try and salvage a few minutes of my week off uh, before I start preparing for the Port Vale game. Um, please do tune in next Friday when we'll do it all over again. Um, and until next week, I've been uh, Mark Dry Your Eyes John Coleman Isles. And I've been Henry K. Sarasara Hewitt. This has been the Wembley Buff. First, not last. It's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. We're going to Wembley at last. Not outclassed. Once on mass. Get it on the end of the game. We're going to Wembley at last. Get it on my shoulder, we're going to the end of the game. We're going to end the end. Oh.